This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week and get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Podcast, a one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. While the show is well at Locked On Leafs, if you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. All right, so yesterday, Tony Ferrari and I spoke about uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs pretty well at length and what the trade deadline line meant for them and how they did and uh, well they did pretty darn well we think uh, I scored them an A grade Tony giving them an A minus but how did the remaining 30 teams do around the league well we had an extended conversation yesterday to be quite honest with you and uh, so I decided to to kind of clip it and do the the rest of the league as its own little podcast um, because it was like a half hour long of a conversation in itself. So uh, this this is going to be a a full show of Tony and I discussing what the uh, or breaking down the trade deadline this week for the remaining thirty teams. We go over who our winners are, who our losers are, uh, some of the good pickups, some of the the, the bad returns. Um, you know, we just kind of go over the deadline and recap it as a whole, um, just a a league-wide view. So hopefully you enjoy it, and um, yeah, so here it is. This is Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects and uh, the Leafs Nation Network, as well as myself as we recap the NHL trade deadline. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano with you alongside. I've got Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects. Uh, Tony, it was deadline day, and I would say the Leafs were definitely the biggest winners when it comes to the North Division. But quickly before we take it around the league, who are the biggest losers for you in the North Division? Man, this is going to feel like piling on, especially because it's probably my second favorite team in the North Division. And I, I think the big losers are the Canucks. I just have no idea what the hell they're doing, to hmm. be completely honest. It, it's it's a, a weird year. Like they, they traded Adam Gadet for a guy that they're hoping is going to be Adam Gadet, but is already a few months older. He's like uh, Gadet's turning 25. This guy's already 25. Like they, they yeah. trade for Madison. It, ba- they they flip some picks for Madison Bowie. Like, Okay, that's a, an addition, I guess. But why are you really doing a whole lot to to do that? Like, why are you trading back to to get Madison Bowie? It just like <laughs> they traded Jordy Ben, great, but like it just really seemed like they had no idea what they were doing. And honestly, part of the part of the reason they get the, the loser spot for me is signing Tanner Pearson, not trading him and <laughs> getting some assets for him. Especially when they they've admitted earlier this year that they're not going to compete for two more years. Why are you signing Tanner Pearson for three years? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I think this is a an indictment on their their season as a whole and in their front office as a whole right now. Are you? Uh, do you follow Mister Booth on Twitter by chance? Yes, yes, I do. Did you get duped by that tweet earlier today? 
No, because I'm at the point now with Mr. Booth that anytime I see any tweet, <laughs> I quickly double check the handle because this guy's gotten me so many times. So for those who aren't familiar, Mr. Booth is uh, a fantastic Twitter follow um, over on Canucks Twitter. Uh, just a, a great follow, just makes jokes, cracks jokes, and uh, he's just a big troll at the end of the day. And uh, today, his biggest troll job was he uh, pretended to be Elliot Friedman. He made his name. Elliot Friedman. He put Frege's uh, uh, photo on his photo, obviously, in his display picture, and uh, tweeted out that the Vancouver Canucks had extended Brandon Sutter. And I was like, are you kidding me? Why are you doing that? And then three seconds later, I, I realized, oh, wait, there's no blue check mark. Oh, it's Mr. Booth. Thank God. <laughs> Yeah, like the Vancouver Canucks are, are something else right now. And look, the fact of the know, matter man. is, I believed it because it's something that Jim Benning could do, like would do. Like that's how yeah. sad it really is. And I, I have a couple of a couple of points though, just to to I guess stick up for for Vancouver a little bit and Jim Benning. But uh, you know, the God debt thing. First and foremost, I think Benning's hands were a little bit tied because of the whole. COVID situation and what was going on with them. Um, some guys still like really sick. Like, you're not going to trade somebody who has been vomiting for a week straight. Like, and, and odds are teams aren't calling on those guys just based on the fact that they're not sure when they're going to be available and be ready to go. This, this new variant has been uh, really tough on, um, you know, people of our age in, in the 20s and 30s. So I think that his hands were a little tied and there wasn't as much interest as you as there normally would have been on some of those players. Um, but when it comes to the God debt trade, it really seems like uh, he had to go. Um, I, I don't, th- I, I, he dressed it up like he was happy to bring in Matthew Highmore because uh, they liked him back when he was a free agent and whatnot. But I think they just had to get rid of Adam Goddett. It, it really seemed that way. Uh, based on the post-game press conference, says that Goddard needed a change of scenery. And then, uh, speaking of Mr. Booth, he did also mention that, and and I don't take anything into this, but he also said that uh, nobody wished him goodbye on social media after the trade. And apparently he was unfollowed by a couple of Canucks as well on social media. Um, But he also was patient zero for the COVID situation in the locker room for the Vancouver Canucks. And I can't help but feel like that has something to do with the fact of why he is no longer in Vancouver, because getting rid of a guy who seems like a a pretty decent player, a good bottom six guy, at least third, fourth line center um, with some pretty good defensive uh, responsibilities for literally nothing didn't make sense. And, And that's just the only explanation for that trade. Yeah. I think my, my biggest issue with, with the Vancouver Canucks, because yeah, there, there is the whole Adam Gaudet, stuff behind the scenes that may have played into things. And, and, and that's a valid like gripe for the entire situation. And I think that my biggest gripe is that you could have got more, okay, <laughs> not even that you could have got more, just get picks instead. Like you don't need this yeah. Matthew Highmore. Like he's, he's a guy, he's probably gonna be in the AHL. Like you're not really relying on him to be an NHL guy. Like he's 25. He's not really going to be in your plans in a couple of years. It, it's, 
it's one of those situations where like, why are you doing this? And, and then the same thing with the Madison Barry trade. Why are you trading back? Like the exchange picks basically did a pick swap for a, a fourth for a fifth. Mm. They get the later pick in Madison Bowie. And I'm like, why do that? Like you have guys that you can call up from the minors. You have players that can step into that role. If you really just need to fill that one spot. I they can actually George- I can actually explain the Madison Bowie one. And I was the same as way as you. I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, Madison Bowie, actually, they traded for him because he is extended through the next season and they can they need to be able to expose an additional defenseman and Bowie will be eligible for exposure. So that is the reason why they brought him into the fold, along with the fact that he supposedly uh, liked him back when he was playing in junior and thinks that he still has you know some game left if they can find some untapped talent uh, at this point but i think the real reason is that it, this was a uh, a a expansion move for the canucks if that's the case that's it's acceptable i guess but it's still one of those situations like I, I don't know. I just feel like the the Canucks have been on such a spiral this year that the, for the entire year they become the loser because I, I don't really see any other team that really did a bad job. Like the Winnipeg Jets didn't get what they needed, but outside of that, the, the rest of the North, I think, did a pretty good job for what they were with the situation they were in. That's my biggest loser is the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I think they they absolutely failed the day by not adding a, a, a solid defenseman because that's what they needed. And the Jets are the only other team, I think, in the Canadian division that could really challenge the Maple Leafs uh, here in the playoffs. Like, outside of, of the Jets, uh, there's absolutely no threat, in my opinion, for the Maple Leafs to make it into the top four. And Winnipeg, in order to compete, I felt that they needed to respond to the moves that Toronto made and needed to certainly make an addition, a, a rather sizable addition on the blue line, and Jordy Ben just does not cut it. And for me, I think that you look at what the Jets have built, a pretty solid roster, they did a disservice themselves by not making the move to go out and get yourself a solid player. Like They have the picks and prospects to get a deal done, and they just didn't. And for that reason is kind of why I personally didn't like what the Jets did and why I had them as my biggest losers in the Canadian division. Like you take a look at some of the guys who didn't end up getting moved and some of the, the, the guys who were on like the TSN trade bait, uh, who didn't go anywhere. And, and the, the defensemen that didn't end up getting traded that they potentially could have went out and made a, a splash for and got that would have helped them. I'm thinking Nikita Zadorov out in Chicago probably could have been helpful. Uh, Goligoski out in Arizona. Josh Manson in Anaheim. Uh, you know, like there's a couple of guys out there. Vince Dunn even could have been had probably for, for a decent price. And they just didn't make any moves to, to help that team. And for that, I have the Jets as my losers for, uh, for the deadline in the Canadian division. I think that's really fair, especially when like you mentioned a bunch of guys that didn't get de- dealt, but I look at a, a bunch of guys that did get de- dealt the, this deadline, and you look at a guy like Dmitry Kulikov. Could they not have matched or or, or bettered what the they yeah, they a fourth the, round I mean, pick. gave the Devils? Like you, you look at another guy like 
uh, Hayden Flurry. That's a really interesting, or the guy that went the other way in Yanni Hockenpah. Both those guys, I think, would have been nice additions to the Winnipeg Blue Line. Could but- you have not given up a, a low-level prospect and a pick for that? Like it's it's an interesting, weird situation because yeah, there are guys that not only didn't get dealt but that did get dealt that they probably could have had or beat the deal on because it wasn't like guys were going for crazy amounts of money. Like Mike Riley leaving Ottawa, that's a guy you could probably get there and not necessarily have to quarantine as long. Like there's a lot of guys that went that, that they could have gotten and they just didn't get in. I, I think the class of that, that group is, is David Savard. Right. Why couldn't they have made that deal? Because they, that's the exact kind of player that they were looking for and they needed to bolster that lineup. 100% and, and they failed to do so. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms for the Locked On Leafs once a week. Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to right here every day on Locked On Leafs. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join the conversations about the league, about the NHL, and about the Maple Leafs, first and foremost. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, pre-game breakdowns, and, of course, reacting to the biggest news and rumors. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS systems. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. You can follow me as well at Leaves or at Mike underscore DeStefano to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be there live every single week, at least once a week. We'll be doing one of these bad boys. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Leafs. I'll see you there. Locker room, changing the way we talk sports. I got to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They've got 18 amazing flavors and six brand new flavors that you want to check out. My favorite, Cookies and Cream. It is fantastic. But they also got Caramel Brownie, Cherry Barcia, Carrot Cake, Apple, Almond Crisp. And that goes along with the other 12 original flavors. And we already know how much I love myself, my peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, the Built Bar is healthy, folks. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let me tell you a little bit about the peanut butter bar. It's got 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. I'm telling you. These bars are healthy, they're delicious, they're amazing. You just got to go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Let's break it open and uh, go around the league. I know that uh, us up here in Canada don't typically know what's going on down in the States anymore because we just watch what's going on in the North Division. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's let's kick it around the league and kind of talk about who our biggest winners and losers were around the division, some trades that you liked. So let's let's start, I guess, with overall uh, winners from the South. So who, who where are a, a couple of teams that you like, the, the moves that they made, whether it's, it's getting themselves a solid return, getting a good player, a good fit for the run. You know, who, uh, who are a couple of winners? for you league-wide 
I think maybe the the biggest winner league wide is probably maybe the Detroit Red Wings. They, they trade Anthony Mantha, who's a guy that is a very talented player. When he's when he's on the ice, he's could be one of the best players on the ice every game. But the problem is he's hurt a lot and he's been struggling a bit this year. Well, they got a haul for him. The fact that they got Jacob Verana, Richard Ponick was kind of a, a throw in to for some cap reasons and to help alleviate some of the things from Washington. But they also got a first and a second round pick in 2021 and 2022. So looking at that deal alone, you're like, man, Detroit got a lot for Anthony Mantha, especially because the fact Jacob Verana is a year younger a lot of his numbers are really similar to Anthony Mantha and he doesn't bring the same size or anything, but he brings a little bit more raw skill. He brings a little bit more of that flash and what we're used to seeing in Detroit. So I think Veron is a really underrated pickup. If, if this deal would have been panic a first and a second, I think it would have been a good deal. The fact that they got Verona in it as well as a steal and, and not only that, but they got other, other pieces, this deadline, they got a fourth round pick when they were helping uh, facilitate the Tampa Bay trade that brought David Savard there. They got a fifth round pick trading John Merrill. They traded, um, who was the other? Oh, uh, Patrick Nemeth to Colorado for a fourth round pick. Like the fact that they loaded up on picks, like their pick cupboard is the exact opposite of Toronto's right now. It's completely <laughs> loaded up. And the fact that they, they got a valuable player in Verona as well, I think is a little bit of a encouraging sign for Detroit. Who's a team that has been rebuilding for a few years now, but Steve Eiserman seems to be a wizard and he's, he's making a lot of really good deals the last couple of years. And th- I think this is just another masterclass of Steve Eiserman being one of the best GMs in the entire league. I would have thought it would make sense for like Verona Ponick in a, in a second round pick. That would yep. make sense to me. And even then it's like, Oh wow. Uh, Washington gave up a, a decent amount to go out and get Mantha, but okay. I could see it. You got to give up a little bit more uh, of a return. Cause you know, Mantha's got that cost certainty and, and whatever. Um, but then an additional first round pick, like how the hell did Eisenman swing that? That is an absolute fleecing if I have ever seen one. And Mantha's a good player. That's the thing, too. Like, it's not even like he, you know, Mantha's a trash player and you just overpaid for someone who's not going to produce. He probably will produce for you. But, you know, Washington, to give up Verana, who arguably can be just as productive as Anthony Mantha, a first and a second-round pick on top of that, it just it blew my mind about that trade. So, yeah, and then you factor in the other minor deals that Detroit was able to make throughout the week. Um, certainly they are the the one winners. And I think uh, Greg Wyshynski said he gave out his first-ever A-plus for the trade deadline. And uh, I assume that he was referring to the Detroit Red Wings and the return that they got on Anthony Mantha. And, you know, this was a, a huge surprise. I don't think anybody knew that Mantha was on the you know on the block I don't think he was I, I just think that Washington was persistent and they wanted him and Eisenman just said you want him this is what's going to cost and then I'm sure those calls went back and forth and 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 you know McClellan tried to bring that price down as much as he possibly could and then uh, right as the three o'clock deadline hit I think he realized that Eisenman's okay not making that and not making the deal unless that is the return and he eventually pulled the trigger and Eisenman absolutely uh, fleece McClellan and, and that was just a fantastic move so yeah Detroit definitely my number one um, as well I think Boston got a yeah. real solid deal um, getting Taylor Hall for a second round. Literally, legitimately, Taylor Hall was cheaper than Sam Bennett. Yep. 
What? What? It's wild. What? That made absolutely no sense. And why wouldn't Buffalo just wait? If that was the best offer on the table last night at midnight, why not just wait another 13, 15 hours, whatever it was, until the deadline and make that deal then? It just blows my mind that that was the deal where they said, okay, we got to take this now or it's going to come off the board. You're going to tell me yeah. that there wasn't anyone else offering up a second-round pick for this guy? Like, Andres Bjork is, is not – he was basically just to make the, the math work, to make the money work. And you gave yeah. up Curtis Lazar, who is actually a half-decent player who, and who can play in somebody's, you know, fourth line. It's a weird deal because, like like I said earlier, there are the extenuating circumstances where Hall kind of controlled his future. He kind of controlled where he went. But the fact that it was this, like – you couldn't have waited for anything else, like anything else. Like, like well, you said, at the very why least, make the deal at, yeah, why like make, make the deal Boston, at midnight? Make them sweat, and maybe yep. they'll they'll add in a, a, another third round pick or something, just a, an additional player. Like, I, it was I could not believe that that was the pick, and and uh, John Bucci-Gross actually deserves a lot of credit for the creativity of breaking that news. I don't know if you saw the thread, yeah. but uh, for those who didn't, uh, go check it out. John Bucci-Gross, um, he's ESPN, I think. Is he not ESPN? Yep. Yeah, so uh, he legitimately just put like a side-by-side photo of Taylor Hall and then the city of Boston, just like this Boston skyline, and then afterwards he put like a, a gif of, of this one – of uh, a ring girl walking around with a round two card. And then I can't remember what it was for Bjork, but it was something, uh, something creative as well for, for Anders Bjork. I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was funny. Go check it out guys. It's actually uh, worthwhile. It's, it's creativity at its finest, uh, better than, than Woj. I would say better than Woj. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a fun one because you you see every every insider. It's all oh, it's all this player for this player and deals done. Bucciros, he did a good job at making it fun. And, and <laughs> it, for what? a second, I had to look and I'm like, what what is this? What city is that? What is this? And and, and then it finally started to click. And and yeah, it's just a fun way to break the deal. And he had the news like a half hour before any of the other insiders did too. So good on him for having that source and. Uh, and breaking that deal. Any other winners who you uh, who you liked what they were able to do at the deadline? Well, another thing for Boston, however, I will say too, um, Mike Riley for a third round yeah. pick. Nice move by them. Uh, I, Riley has has had a, a pretty good season, and, and that Boston team decimated by injuries right now on the back end. They could use a guy like Zidane O'Chara. That's for damn sure. Uh, but. Putting Mike Riley uh, on that blue line is going to help them uh, definitely. But I do wish that they did get into the goalie market and maybe get a guy like a, a Jonathan Bernier-type player. Um, it's just I felt they needed to add another goalie with the uncertainty of Tuka Rask, um, and they did not do that. So that was the one thing that I wish Boston would have done in order to, like, get a, a really – maybe even a, an A grade. But right now I, I give them, like, a B plus. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like it's it's a really interesting deadline because there aren't a lot of teams that really made out like bandits, but there are a lot of teams that did good. I think Tampa did a good job of getting David Savard. They didn't need to do a whole lot. I think San Jose did a nice little piece of work this this deadline, kind of helping facilitate things. They got a couple extra force. They got a fifth for uh, a couple players, and it's just building up the draft capital. And I think a, a team like that needs to do that. Um, it's and an Barabana. interesting deadline. 
Yeah, the and yeah, they got Barabanov <laughs> as well. Like that's a, that's a good little addition because that's a guy you can bring in and go, hey, what do you have? And and maybe we mm-hmm. sign you for next year. Like that's just a good player to just a good piece of business, I think, on on their end. Um, but one of the other teams that I thought that you brought up that did a really good job was Calgary. And, and I know that's yeah. north of the border and we kind of talked about them already, but the fact that they were able to get a third for Riddich, the deal they got for, for uh, Sam Bennett was just outstanding. <laughs> Emil Heineman's a really fun prospect. He brings a, a goal scoring element and a physicality. He could realistically replace what Sam Bennett brings and maybe even have a bit more of a goal scoring touch that, that originally Sam Bennett, we all thought Sam Bennett would have. And then the second round pick in 2022, which is going to be a strong draft. I I think the flames did a good job, but there's a lot of teams that just kind of didn't do a whole lot because the deadline was kind of clouded by COVID and in the fact that guys weren't really moving and no teams really wanted to take on a ton of money. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, and uh, because of that, I think there were some losers on the deadline. More so, probably like a, guys who didn't make moves were the, the the people who lost, and that's typically the the losers on the deadline day are the guys who just didn't make moves and whiffed or missed out on some guys. And for me, I expected. I mean, we talked about Winnipeg, but I expected Colorado to do something. Uh, and they did not, right? So for me, Colorado was one of those teams who I thought had cap space, they had prospects, they had picks. They had all the ammo to go out and get themselves uh, another solid contributor, um, another top six scoring winger uh, to add to that team and just give them that little extra punch that maybe they could use uh, on that second line. And they just didn't really go out and and make a splash and didn't make a deal. And uh, for that, I kind of have them in my little loser section and as well as as the the Buffalo Sabres because they got nothing for uh, Taylor Hall. Um, oh. So those are kind of the, the three teams that I thinking are kind of my losers, I would say, uh, for deadline week. How about you? Who are you thinking lost this week? Yeah, I think one of the teams that in the same vein that you were talking about there with, with Colorado, where you wanted them to do something more and really add to the team. And I, I think Carolina had a, a, an opportunity yeah. to do that and they just didn't. They, they, they watched teams around them in the standings get better and and they just didn't really do a whole lot. They added Yanni Hockenpah for Hayden Fleury, which is kind of a downgrade, but it's a guy that they're less worried about losing in the expansion draft. I think that that played a role there as well. But for the most part, they didn't do a whole lot to really better their team. I, I think the Blackhawks, did a lot of stuff. I don't know any of, and I didn't love a whole lot of it. Uh, the Matthias Janmark deal was pretty good. I, I do like that, but th- there's a lot of teams that just didn't do a whole lot. And I think that's where you, you're seeing a lot of the losers there. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's typical. And the one lose, like, where do you, what do you classify? Do you, would you classify Washington as a loser though, for, for what they gave up? Or are they kind of like middle of the pack because they actually got an impactful player who can do good things for this team? Like, where does Washington lie for you on that scale? 
I look at that deal a lot similarly to the way I look at the Nick Foligno deal with Toronto, where yes, they gave up a lot more than they probably should have. And I think Washington gave up way more than what Toronto gave up in terms of value uh, for and, and against in that deal. But I think they're getting a, a really good player in Anthony Mantha. I think he's a guy that if you pair with a good playmaker, they've got a lot of them. They could really become a, a dangerous offensive team. And they always kind of are. They've got Ovechkin. They've got Backstrom, Kuznetsov, who's not necessarily having the best year, but they've got guys to, to really pop offensively. And I think Anthony Mantha could be a really valuable piece there. And let's be honest, the Washington Capitals don't care about their first round picks. They don't care about <laughs> a second round pick two years from now. This is about extending that window uh, one more year or two more years and, and really trying to get, get a, a one more cup for Ovi and, and the gang. So I, I don't know if I consider them losers, but I certainly don't necessarily consider them winners either. Yeah. I, I'm probably in the same boat. One last trade that I want to get your thoughts on, probably the the uh, the last I would say like notable trade because there wasn't that many notable trades today, um, but the one that did kind of come through early in the morning, late last night, uh, Jeff Carter going from the L.A. Kings to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a conditional third and uh, fourth round pick. Your thoughts on what you think Carter can bring to the Penguins? I think Carter, he's a guy that seems to always drive good results, even as he's kind of advanced age. He's at least a break-even player. And I think in a system that Pittsburgh runs where they have a lot of good wingers, they have guys that can kind of add to his his play and, and whatnot and be kind of stacking talents. I think it's a good situation for him. He's not going to be forced to play up in the top six. He's not going to be asked to do a whole lot. They've got Sidney Crosby. They've got Evgeny Malkin. They've got Jake Gensel, who are going to be the guys that are that are relied upon offensively primarily. I think Jeff Carter is a guy that's brought in to essentially be that third line of defense, be that third line of, of, of attack, and, and really kind of be just a complimentary guy here. And I think for the first time in his career, like we've kind of seen him become a complimentary guy in LA the last couple of years, but this is the first time in his career he's truly a complimentary guy on, on a team that expects to win. So it's going to be interesting to see how he handles the role, and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of linemates he gets put with and see if he can maybe pop off offensively just a little bit because he's still got the offensive talent to do so. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really good move for for Pittsburgh, who, you know, I think they they deserve to uh, the way that this this team has really responded. I guess since Jim Rutherford stepped down and and the new uh, new GM and president and in, in Burke and Hextall took over, they've really responded well, and this team has has proven that they still aren't ready to close the books on the Crosby Malkin era. And I think bringing in a guy like Jeff Carter is is a real solid add, just a, a third and fourth round pick. I'm not quite too sure what the conditions are on those. Maybe maybe if you know them, but uh, I, I would imagine they're not nothing too substantial. I don't think that uh, Jeff Carter at this point in his career is is going to garner a first rounder as one of these conditions. But uh, I think that it's a, a pretty solid depth addition and certainly will help them down the middle. And, and and another option also on the power play, like he's still a guy who can shoot the puck. Uh, and I think that Jeff Carter will be a solid addition for Pittsburgh as they try and win another Stanley Cup. Uh, all right. I think uh, unless there's another trade that kind of perked your interest a little bit that you want to say a couple of words about, uh, but that pretty much seems to be it. I think we did a pretty good job of going through everything, talking about some of the good deals, some of the bad deals with some of the teams that uh, have won and lost. Uh, but if there's anything else, now is your time to bring it up, Tony. 
I don't know. There's not a whole lot. I, th- I think the one deal that Buffalo made that was nice that I, I kind of want to give them credit for is getting a third round pick for Brandon Montour. Mm. They just need picks. And and that's not a guy that's really going to play into their plans going forward. So get a guy out and, and get a pick for him. But yeah, the rest of their day was kind of uh, not great. <laughs> no, no, it, it really was not. Uh, all right, that will do it for us today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs and follow Tony at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter. Uh, Tony, what you got? Uh, anything cooking that you're working on that's going to be released uh, that you want to tell the good folks about? Uh, I don't got a whole lot coming out right now. I am working on one piece that's kind of going to look, it's going to be relevant for the least because it's it's going to be looking at a few prospects that are, are high on some sub rankings, including my own, that could fall to the second round for whatever reason, whether it be they're small or they're in a league that isn't scouted all that much. So it, it's a interesting piece to see who the next Nick's, Nick Robertson could be for the least and, and any other team that doesn't have a first round pick. But other than that, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, the Tony Ferrari. <laughs> I'm interested in that because the Leafs no longer have a first rounder, so they're going to have to uh, get themselves a steal with a second, which they did well last year, right? Getting uh, getting Topi Niemela and Rony Hirvonen, who were two decent yeah. prospects in the second round. Hopefully, they can replicate that again uh, this off season. All right, uh, I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. The Leafs hosting the Flames tonight, actually, and uh, Big Save Dave could play against his former team, which will be very, very interesting. Real quick, how do you think that would play out? Did you see that that apparently Riddick is actually hitching a flight with Calgary, his former teammates, to Toronto as they play here tomorrow night? tonight yeah I, I saw that it's just to avoid some of the COVID issues and stuff I know, and it's having just the quarantine funny. and stuff so I think it's hilarious because all I picture is big save Dave sitting in the back just mean mugging the rest of his te- former teammates now and yeah I mean I, I think it'd be hilarious to just watch him play tomorrow and I, I think you got to give Jack the night off so why not just give it to big save Dave let him let him get that instant gratification of, of revenge on the team that traded him that's right, and hopefully the Maple Leafs can get back into the win column after losing uh, 4-2 to against the Montreal Canadiens. All right, uh, so yeah, I'll be back to recap that game for you guys tomorrow. Until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.